smoking section. Here we are for another episode of Smoking Section Podcast. We have here TikTok Sensation. I don't know if that's what we should call you. I'll take it. You'll take it? We'll take it. We'll, we'll call you a TikTok Sensation. Uh, TikTok Sensation, You. I was looking, doing some research on you today because we have a mutual friend or anything like that, but 22 million streams on the song called My Person. Yeah. That's just on Spotify. I don't know the numbers on Apple Music, but that's just on Spotify. That's amazing without a record label. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you listening, this is the one, the only Spencer Crandall. What's up, man? How are you, buddy? I'm great. Thanks for having me. No problem. Typically, we do do this in person, but obviously, with everything going on with COVID and everything, we're gonna pretty much keep things rolling in Zoom. Definitely the wise decision, which sucks, and I hate. <laughs> I know. So we'll definitely do it again when we can get in person. We can have a stogie together, have some drinks together. We, I think, we've met one time in person. I think it was at Lydia's birthday party. Yeah. Um, but we have a lot of mutual friends. Ashley Cook, mm-hmm. dear friend of mine. You just announced a whole tour with her i know i'm so pumped man i she's like the perfect i couldn't ask for anyone better to come on this tour with us it's gonna be so i'm excited is, is it mainly is it gonna be mainly in cali like you know west coast uh I we have so. west coast dates we have like la and i think like sacramento but it's really all over i'm i'm on tour with kid g i'm opening up for kid g in the fall and then we're doing our own headlining stuff and so we kind of just put all that together something like 24 dates in the fall as the my person tour and just kind of rolling with it so we'll do I'll be New York to LA, you know, kind of every weekend from September like 18th till Christmas. I'm on the road. So quite the, the wow. Point. So also let me know. So let me know when you do a Nashville show. I mean, I think I already have you doing one my one of my rounds. I believe we discussed mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, let me know when you have it when you have a Nashville show, and I'll, I'll definitely come out and check it out and see, especially with you and Ashley Cook. I just love Ashley. Ashley's Ashley's just one of those, she's one of the best. She's one of the hardest working artists in town. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a huge reason why I wanted her on the tour is, you know, it's one thing to have great music, which she does. It's another thing to be a great human being, which she is. But it's really cool to have somebody who like is going to fight to get human beings to come. And to, that that's like a really cool thing uh, is just to have somebody as hardworking as she is. So she's the full package. She's a superstar. I keep saying my, my goal is that we are hosting the CMAs here in 10 years together and taking over the world and stuff. It'll be fun. That's after my goal of hosting the CMAs. That's what's going to happen. We can all three do it together. Listen, we can. I, I'm I'm cool with that. I'm cool with sure we can be the first uh, Oreo on CMAs. <laughs> They was, the uh oh Oreo hosting trio. I had it for the tenth year in a row. I'm be, I'm be, I'm be quite all right with that. That's not a problem, you know. I can see the headlines already. Music Row magazine. Hey, I'm, I'm down for it. If I, it'll probably be you and Ashley, and as long as I can at least like present something or whatever, then I'm, I'm happy to be involved. It'll be me and Ashley, and you guys nominated for awards. There you go. There yeah. we go. We'll make that actually. We'll make it selfish. I'll be I'll be the host, and you guys nominated for the awards. There you go. The yeah. male male and female vocalist of the year goes to. Mm-hmm. Doesn't nice. that sound good? <laughs> that sounds really good. That sounds really good. So let's talk. Let's talk because we're talking about life here. We're going to talk about everything between the sun and the moon. So I, I want to get to know you. So my thing is, I know you you were born in Colorado. You were raised in Colorado. What was it like growing up in Colorado? Because I know nothing about Colorado, obviously, besides the fact that you can get really high in yeah. Colorado. Famous for the weed. Um, You know, I I grew up just like outside a lot. I feel like I don't have a ton of memories. Like I never had a TV in my room. That's like an interesting thing about my family is we all, there's one TV in the house. So you'd go, like if you wanted to watch TV, you had 
to figure it out with your siblings. You got to fight for the same show or whatever, but it was either that or we're outside all the time. I mean, I, my parents, one of like my favorite things they did growing up, just a good example of growing up in Colorado. It's a Friday and my dad would just like come in and take all three of us out of school. My little sister is probably too young to even be in school at the time. And we just go up early so we could go camping and we just take like a half day on a Friday in like that early summer, you know, kind of, or even like back to school September area. And we just go fish and we go hike and we'd, you know, in the winter we're uh, snowboarding and skiing and that was our life, man. Just up in the mountains, constantly um, outside, hanging out with friends. I played a lot of sports growing up, so that was really fun. And uh, I couldn't have asked for a better, you know, small town USA experience than Branch, Colorado. What sports did you play? Did you, did you golf? If I heard that correctly, you did you yeah, golf? I play golf now, but I've only been playing like a year, so I suck. I, I don't know if I could say that I play golf. I, I participate in golf. <laughs> you participate in drinking golf. Yeah, I, I show up and I, I have a great time. I, um, you know, I'll hit in the 90s every once in a while. It makes me pretty happy, but usually I'm hitting a couple snowmen, a couple eights that just take me out. So, so basically you should do your next TikTok video should be used doing the whack and the fuck game. It's playing a game of whack and the fuck. So many people sent me that, that I play golf with, which is the biggest <laughs> insult of all time, but it's true. I actually have a TikTok up that's just me driving the ball and I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> In the moment, just like, how does that even happen? It went straight up to the moon, like 12 yards, just a hundred yards up and then 12 yards down in front of the ladies tees just took all my pride with me on that one yeah i believe that i I believe that so what kind of sports did you play in and growing up yeah i was really big into football football was like my baby so that's what i ended up i got a little scholarship to play in college um so football is my number one but i did everything as a little kid baseball basketball football um tennis soccer just love being outside that's like what my friends did and so i was like all right that's what people do so we just played sports what position you play in 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 football i was a defensive lineman i was like a nose guard this is like 65 pounds ago i was a nose guard like i used to take up this whole screen just <laughs> I was a big boy and now i just came from the chiropractor and they're cranking on my hips and my back and stuff so i'm paying yeah, I, I play. I'm, I'm playing the price now too because I, I play football and I play defensive lineman. Yeah, and it's it was a lot of wear and tear. Dude, you know, I don't even. I have played to- in. I played in middle school. I didn't even play in high school. I played in middle school because I decided I'm not getting hit no more. I'm 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 done with this. Like. No. And then it was just like, now it was just like, oh, I'm really, I'm feeling it. Kills me, man. If I could go back, like I wouldn't change anything, but there's always a part of me that's like, if I could go back and just tell young Spencer, like, dude, go play golf, go play tennis. Your body will thank you. You'll be a little bit thinner, which would be great. And you'll just come out of college with no shoulder surgeries. You know, you'll never break your hip, hand, ankle, collarbone, tear. Like my list of injuries is so gross and so long. And it's all because of these contact sports that I felt like I had to prove myself in and obviously a huge part of who I am today. So I I would never take it back. But it's just interesting. Like, you know, I I don't know if like I would let my kids play the sports that I played. Like I wrestled too, which was just wild. I'd actually probably let them wrestle before I let them play tackle football. But I mean, wrestling is a little safer. Right. It's a little, it's a little safer, you know, then you might end up with some cauliflower ears. It's, you know. Got a little bit. Yeah, Yeah, it happens a little bit. Yeah, yeah, kids. Uh, you know, maybe it's best for you unicycle instead of instead of uh. Yo, check this out. Yeah, yeah. Let's see this because I I've heard some stories about I this. I have unicycle. my unicycle right here, but it it is uh 
currently not functional because this thing isn't like tight enough. But yeah, so as a kid, here's the weird life that I lived as a child. By the way, it's a podcast. So if you're listening, uh, I just showed. I will show a video. Don't worry. We'll show the video. <laughs> well, listening in the car on the treadmill, I uh, just showed Marcus my unicycle in my back room because I'm, I'm an odd human being and I have a unicycle. But as a kid, I wasn't great at sports, but it's like what I did, right? So I was always the class clown who like played sports because that's what my friends did. But I literally, my first paying job as a human being was as a birthday party clown. I could juggle. I could ride a unicycle. I painted faces. We did these little like sketches. I was an odd kid. And I loved entertaining from a very young age. I was like, like SN Saturday Night Live. I was into like um, a lot of comedy stuff. So I was, I always felt very Troy Boltony, the high school musical guy. I always felt like I was the captain of the football team, but on my way home, I was listening to like wicked show tunes or like, you know, like I had this interesting juxtaposition in my brain where I loved the entertainment industry, but I loved athletics, which was really interesting. I mean, it kind of go hand in hand because you have to have the teamwork. The team, both both things are driven by teamwork. So you have to have, you know, that teamwork mentality and that discipline yeah. to be in the music industry. Yeah. There's a lot of times now where I'll be talking to my friends and like, dude, I feel like all you do is work or, uh, you know, you're putting a lot of hours on TikTok or whatever. And for me, it's not super far off from what I've always done. It's like, there's always some hell week. There's always some mm -hmm. crazy thing that you're pushing yourself, some PR in the gym. And so I really enjoy putting in the work and like seeing the results. And I think that the way that that transpires in the music comes from football, comes from wrestling. The, the hard work and the work ethic that I kind of developed there has really paid dividends over my career. And I'm, I'm really happy that I have those things in my life. So now I'm going back and now I'm stopping me from stopping me. So that's the weird... <laughs> Weird part of growing up. That's the weird part of growing up, you know? So let's let's, let's fast forward here. So that, let's fast forward to you moving to Nashville and you becoming this TikTok sensation, as I said at the beginning. What, what first of all, what made you start? Because obviously we were in the middle of a pandemic when you went viral. Yeah. There was no shows. There was nothing like that. Um, so was it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the word boredom, but was it like a little bit of like not being able to go out? So this is, this is I'm going to show you by who I am. You know what's interesting? And I totally get that. I think that's what a lot of people, um, I think that's what it was for a lot of people. For me, actually, it was an ideology that I really had held for a long time. And the market weirdly crashed into what I was already believed in, which is this like, I really believe, I bet pretty heavily on the internet. And I think a lot of people still underestimate the power of these apps and what they can do and, and how they can change your life. So I was on early Instagram. I was on early Twitter and Facebook doing covers, doing little bits and stuff. And I watched Vine come and go when I was in high school. And I was always like, man, I feel like I could have done that, but I was a little self-conscious. I didn't really sing at that time. And so TikTok, actually, I started TikTok um, probably like the summer. So like summer 2019, like in August. I remember I came back from this camping trip and I posted a video with my little sister of us singing um, Hallelujah or something. She was playing the ukulele. And it got watched at the time I was getting like, a thousand views and it got watched like a hundred thousand times. And I watched my numbers like actually move like my followers, my um, like Spotify streams and stuff like actually took a jump after this video. And I was, I was like, man, I think there's something here. And so I, I remember being in my manager's kitchen. I was like, I have this theory and I think I'm going to post like at least three videos a day for a year. And I think if I do that, I would have like something like a million followers. And that's, exactly what happened. I got really aggressive, specifically posting things about original music. I didn't want to be, you know, necessarily like a cover guy, although it's nice to switch it up every once in a while, but I had 
you know, two albums and was working on a third album. So I had so much music already that I really just created videos with these songs that were already out. And I would say, Hey, do you like country music? Are you going through a breakup? I would just create these hooks and basically run through all the songs that I had run through the new stuff that I was working on. So I had started to figure out TikTok right along the pandemic happened. And I put out a song called my person that really changed my life. So all that together, it was this perfect storm of, I really bet on the internet. I had a song that was responding where it felt like every time I posted about it, something good would happen. And then the world shut down. So like it was already happening really well and obviously never a good time for a global pandemic, but it worked out for your boy because I was <laughs> home as every, was sitting at home. And I think we all were just sitting on this app. It's, it's such a unique time in history, right? For everyone to be like watching this one thing. So I just got really aggressive. I think a lot of people took some time off in the pandemic and I did the opposite. I finished this album that I put out last year called Wilderness with my producer. We quarantined together and I made a ton of videos. I mean, thousands of videos of like uh, all the music I had out, all the music I was about to put out, covers, mashups, trends and just studying the app. And I, I really got aggressive at it. And then over that time period, like, I think I had, I want to say like maybe 20 million total streams as an artist before TikTok. And I think I just hit like 115 million total, which that to me is like the power of the internet. And, and it's without a record label, that's without opening for massive people on tours. And, and that is just going straight to consumer, which is the internet. So that's a long way to say, I really believe in the internet. Oh, but here's my question on that, because <clears throat> I've, I've talked to a lot of artists and, and you know, obviously artists who, who already have deals and things like that. And they, and the baby artists, but the question that they have and the question that I always have is how do you get, how do you, cause some artists, some artists, it doesn't always work that way. So how do you get people, how do you get those numbers to translate from TikTok to streaming numbers? Because sometimes artists can go on TikTok and do what you do, but the number still on streaming doesn't always work. Yeah, it doesn't translate or they have like, 3 million followers. That's like why a lot of the stuff I've done has really been original music. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't want to have a fan base of, I, I watched this a lot on early YouTube. There'd, there'd be these people and they'd have these like a hundred million views on these covers or mashups. And you go to their Spotify and they'd have like 20,000 monthly listeners. And that never added up to me. And it's because the music was adding a ton of value in people's life, but their story as an artist wasn't. And so I really try hard to connect the threads. And a lot of that's original music. So like a song like My Person is just, there's some sort of equation that runs in people's minds. And that song tips the scale to go, I have to go check this guy out. And so there has to be this, um, you know, this value added in people's life where it's not like, oh, that's good. It's that next level. It's like, oh, wow, I have to go download this song. I have to send this to my fiance. I have to use this as my first dance, whatever it is. You know, a breakup song can be that way too. I think that's what driver's license was. Uh We've all felt that in our lives. So I think part of it's like the product, like the music. And then I think part of it is, um, I don't think people, and I I don't even think I really understand how much quantity matters. Like really, I'm pulling lottery tickets at the end of the day. I, what I think is a good video, like everything I post, I think is a good video. Right. The market doesn't always agree with me. And I think a lot of people stop when they have 10 bad videos in a row. But what I did was say, I don't care how they're doing. I'm just going to keep 
keep my head down and grab data points and pull lottery tickets. So I'm gathering all this data as I move forward. Like, okay, this works, this works, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. And then every video I post is just a little lottery ticket. I remember I posted a video close to a year ago, maybe a little bit more. And it was like the first thing for me that really went viral. I never had a viral video in my career. And it was a one take video I did of this thing called the lay me down challenge where you start really low, you sing really high to the bridge of lay me down by Sam Smith. I spent two hours on an Ed Sheeran mashup before that, put all this hard work into it, posted it. was like, this is going to go nuts. I'm so excited. It got like 10,000 views total, which for me isn't great. This other thing that was a one take thing I did before I went to bed with like a ring light really quick, just holding my phone, got watched 7 million times in like 24 hours. So what I think is good or cool isn't necessarily what the market thinks is cool. It's more about creating things that I love and then putting them out in pretty mass quantities. So I think for me, it is being less romantic about like what I think is cool, Mm -hmm. just making a bunch of stuff that I think is cool and then letting the market tell me what's cool and then doubling down on that stuff. So being pretty reactionary to what the market's telling me. Then part of it's luck. Like really, sometimes you just get a video that pops off and I can't tell you why. I didn't do anything different. I made the same video last week, but I was wearing a yellow hat instead of a black hat. And it's just, that's it, man. It's hard to tell. Also, some of these artists, it could be the slightest tweak. Like the question was, why does it translate for me and maybe not for some other people? Or why has it translated for me? Like small tweaks in um, branding or like the hook even, or your story can be really important. So like for some of the my person stuff, I I was talking about how um, it was a song that I really believed in. And it wasn't doing really well because it was like, I want the song to blow up. I want this song to do well for me. But when I switched it to, hey, this song might do something for you. Maybe this is your first dance. Maybe you love love songs. Maybe you love country music. And I started to treat it like something that I'm giving to them instead of asking. Mm-hmm. That was a really good flip for me. I think that really changed a lot on the app. Wow. that's. Uh, <clears throat> I've, I've always wondered that. And I, I think you're right because I think, you know, it is, it's, it's something with the branding. It's something with, it could be like, you know, something that's very small or minute that they're probably not even thinking enough as to why, you know, it's worked for you and it hasn't worked for anyone, it worked for a couple of people, you know, and that's understandable. I mean, so my, my next question here, you have 22 million streams. We, we talked about the streams. We talked about the numbers because it's outrageous of the numbers that you have. And reason why I see outrageous is because of the fact that you have no record deal. Um, I know for a fact, and I have, there's been rumblings in this town. It's not because you have not been offered deals. It is because you have turned down deals. Yeah. Yeah. That's a part of the story for sure. So my question is why, why, why don't you have a deal? Does it, is it that you don't want a deal? Is it that you just want the perfect deal and it just hasn't been offered to you yet? Like what's, what's the, what's the deal behind that? Come on, explain this to me. Sure. I, I usually equate it to like, when you see someone that you love and you're like, why aren't you in a relationship? Why aren't you married? You know, we all have that friend. You're like, maybe they're a little older and you're like, it seems crazy to me that you've never found that or whatever. And I think for some people, it's just the right fit, that right feel feeling hasn't come along. And it's not that, um, you know, I didn't set out to be like the Macklemore of country music or the Chance the Rapper of country music, right. you know, the label list. That wasn't the plan. But I think I really 
Um, I really believe in what I'm doing. And I think I'm, I'm not waiting for anyone to pick me up on the star bus and drop me off on star mountain. You know, I think a lot of people, they come to town and they, they almost hold themselves back because they're expecting someone to come along and help them. And then they think that things will get started. I've always felt the opposite where like, instead of trying to push a boulder up a hill, I'd rather it be, Hey, everyone that I want to work with. I'm a fast moving train. I just want to get moving faster. That's a lot easier premise to buy into. And so, you know, me and my manager have this conversation all the time. Like, you know, why isn't so-and-so come along and asked or what? Like, we don't know. We think the numbers are great. We think the music's great. We think our show's great. All the things that I can control, I feel really proud of. I think at the end of the day, um, it's really out of my control. So I don't worry about it a ton. I think um, I really try to like build the story. The word I'm always looking for is undeniable. Like, how can I make the music, the numbers, the fans, the show, just undeniable where it doesn't matter. Even if I'm not for you, you're like, look, I don't like it, but I get it. Like that's the kind of next level thing I'm going for. And a record label is going to be awesome. I think that's a great next step for me and my team. And, but it's not something that like keeps me up at night and it's not necessarily, I think what it used to be where you had to have it to get on Sirius XM, to get on these Spotify playlists. Like I've been able to do that independently. So now from a record label, you know, I think an honest part of this answer is I think I accidentally skipped the development deal. I think a lot of people are trying to sign really young artists at a, at a very early stage and, and not to tell them who they are, but to be a part of that. I think I really did that by myself with me and my manager. So now we're looking for kind of a different deal, which is this. You're looking for the main, you're looking for the main deal. Yeah. I'm looking for a real radio push, uh-huh. real score support, a real capital injection. If we're being honest, like small money, small support, small, those things, like, although they're great, I'm able to accomplish some of those things on my own. So what I'm looking for now is that, like you said, the big deal, the, the main deal and, it, you know, it, it's not in my control. So I really try not to worry about it. You don't have to answer this because I don't want you to get you, want to get you in trouble with it. But do you have the perfect label in mind already? No, because I, I think it's it really doesn't like any of the labels could come to me with a great deal. It's more about a person or a team of people, because at the end of the day, like I think that my work ethic and what I'm able to do by myself is going to be the differentiator. So all these people are just multipliers. Like if, if you're doing nothing, you can have the best team in the world. Uh-huh. Zero times infinity is still zero, but I'm looking for people that I really believe in and people that really get what I'm doing. I think I'm not trying to be everyone else, especially in country music. So that's a big part of that. Um, so it's just finding champions, people who really believe in it. People you, the more I do this, it's like, who do you really want to spend time with? You know, like these people are going to be on flights with you and early mornings and, you know, so just finding good people, making it feel more like a marriage, not like this, you know, bad relationship that you're stuck. Because, in. because that's really what it is. When, when, you know, it's, it's a marriage. Um, people, people don't realize that, mm-hmm. that a lot of people who go and get deals, they have been courting this label and that label has been courting them for yeah. Maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe three years before they actually got signed. I- the good news is I feel very, uh, I feel very patient. I don't feel like this massive pull either way. Mm-hmm. As long as things are moving forward, I feel like I'm in a good spot. So I have some fun things happening, a bunch of fun stuff coming up. And, you know, I, I always tell this to my manager too, like people aren't dumb. It's not like they don't know what we're doing. Like everybody gets the research, everybody gets the emails, everybody, somebody's waiting for some sort of magical number or song or combination of those things. 
I can't know what that is. So again, I can only chase undeniable and things I can control. And then, you know, the right person's going to come along. It's the same thing with dating. The more that you're looking for somebody and you're like, okay, I'm going to go on all these dates and blah, blah, blah. It's like, or you could be the best version of yourself and that's going to attract the best version of what you want. So that's, I, I find the same ideology stays pretty true in music or I hope so at least. No, it does. I, I think it does. Um, when you start being yourself, you start, I've noticed that when you start being yourself, you start growing as an artist and people start, you know, becoming a big star. You know, Jimmy Allen always says, you know, it's always gives his advice to young uh, and up and coming artists. It always says, just be yourself. Like, yeah. because you, you, you're you for a reason. There's no one, you know, no one else like you. You're, you're very unique. Um, let's talk about, cause I'm looking here and you have a lot of albums. You have some albums out here. You got some EPs out here. So let's talk about your mindset. Let's talk about your creative mindset. Okay. Um, an alum of the show is my good friend, Julia Cole. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about the song Things I Can't Say. Mm-hmm. So what was y'all because you both wrote, wrote it together. Did y'all go in thinking that you guys were going to be writing this duet? No, super just normal day of writing. And we were actually talking about um Julia's boyfriend, and it was kind of this new thing for her. Mm-hmm. And I was asking her like I was like, spill the tea. Like, what's going on? And she's like, I'm feeling a lot of stuff. And it's pretty early. And we all started to talk about our experience of that. Like, oh my gosh, that feeling of like, am I already feeling like I'm in love? Is that way too early? Like all this stuff. And so we, I think we found that first line, like I love you's on the tip of my tongue and I want you to want me to be the one. We're like, ooh, that's cool. And we had this cool melody. Josh um, Ronan had made this really cool track. We got done with verse one and two. And I think we had written it kind of like in my voice and style. And immediately I was like, what's cool about this song though is if if a female comes in second verse and starts saying her part of it, it's this really cool where like two people are trying to say the same thing, but they're like missing mm. another. And, and that's such a real thing, especially early on in love where like you don't want to be the first, but you want to tell them. And it's really funny when like two people feel the same thing, but you don't even know it. So that was the premise of the song and it's done so well. I think another like just so many TikToks changing my life. And that was one of them. Like, yeah. Just- He's blown up on TikTok. It was our first song, both Julie and I, on the Hot Country playlist on Spotify, which is, um, for those of you who don't know, is like a, a pretty big deal. It's it's the largest country Spotify playlist in the world. And that it was is. a big moment for us. And I think um, it's been a life-changing song. It's, it's been amazing. And, and Julie is so talented and I wouldn't want anybody else on the song. So it's fun to do make music with your friends and make music that you love with your friends. So what was your mindset behind creating that whole entire EP? EP? Yeah, so I actually... Um, it's a part of an EP, which is a part of an album. And so the, the album's called Wilderness, which is made up of four different EPs, North, East, West, South. North is about identity. East is about love. West is about heartbreak. And South is about summertime nostalgia. And so I wanted to create these mood EPs that wrapped up into an album. So it has intros, outros, interludes, think like Drake, JT, uh-huh. you know, Emmett, Swift, some of these people who have done some of that cool stuff in the past, John Bellion. And so uh, that song is on the East EP because the sun rises in the East, you know, like there's a lot of these na- natural connotations with love and like the East. So I love that um, kind of like story. And so the first song's about how like, I wasn't really looking for love, but here it is. Things I can't say is like, oh man, I think I'm in love. And then the last song on the, on the EP is my person. So it's this kind of um, growing love sensation, which I think you really go through when you find uh, your person is this like, I wasn't even looking, this person kind of came along and then, oh my God, I think I love 
them and like, wow, I think I really found it. So um, yeah, that's all in the East EP. Which really so, so here's, so here's my question. Uh, like how much does your manager love you? Because you are literally one of the most detailed <laughs> artists I've ever met. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's a, that's a high compliment. Um, cause I, I try really hard to, um, be really intentional about the choices that I make mm-hmm. so that my fans and the people who love and support me that I'm adding a ton of value in their life. Cause again, I think that's how we build this thing together. So I luckily actually have a manager who is far more detail oriented than I am. And he is incredible and such a great, I can't imagine doing music without Jeff. So Jeff Cherry is the man. And and I think what I'm really good at is coming up with really big, cool ideas. What Jeff is really good at is like, he's like a computer. I put in the ideas to Jeff and out comes a receipt that is like, cool to get to point Z, we need to do A, B, C, D with all the dates, with all the money, with all the, you know, so that's as an independent artist. It's an, it's so priceless to me to have somebody like Jeff on my team. It's awesome. So when did you meet Jeff? Here's a, just a weird story. So hang on to your, uh, oh boy. So I'm in college. I go to play college football. I get two shoulder surgeries. I stop playing college football and I'm bored in my dorm room. I pick up a guitar. I start learning chords. I start learning songs. That's how I find music, right? I record a little project that doesn't exist anymore because it sucked, but it was my first like attempt at making music, right? So I, I started asking myself some questions. I'm like, okay, I think I need music, obviously. I think I need, you know, like fans or people to enjoy that music. And I think I need help. So I think I need a manager. So my mom, being a great mom that she is, reaches out to this person that books speakers or sorry, my mom books speakers for her church. She reaches out to a lady named Darlene. Darlene's son is the youth pastor at Jeff's parents' church. This is real. Now, meanwhile, I'm making music. Jeff is helping his buddy, Jefferson Bethke, who's now a New York Times bestselling author. He had a viral moment. Jeff ends up managing him, learning a ton. So Darlene hears from my mom, I'm looking for a manager. Darlene goes, I don't manage, but this young kid out of Seattle, while I'm in Denver, Jeff is in Seattle. Jeff is learning a lot. It seems like he's really interested in new projects. Let's send him the music and see what happens. So we sent him a really bad EP, but he heard it and was like, if these are the first five songs Spencer has written, let's do it. So he had no experience in the music industry. I had no experience in the music industry and we just jumped in. So we started taking trips to Nashville January, 2016 and went every month for like eight months until I moved. And then he moved shortly after. And, uh, it's been almost seven years. That's, you know, for a lot of people, this feels like overnight or like in the last year Uh of my life that, you know, this has kind of come together, which has been great. And it, you know, what a year it's been, but it's been seven years in the making, you know, Jeff and I grinding and making a lot of mistakes and trial and error, trial by fire. So that's how I met Jeff. He's the man. That's crazy that you said that. I'm glad I asked that question because of the fact that <clears throat> I have this constant battle mm-hmm. with some artists um, who they always say, well, I need a big manager. I need a big manager. I need this manager who's successful already. I think I'll be good on their roster. Mm-hmm. And I always tell them, no, you don't. You just need someone who believes in you. 100%. Because at the end of the day, and, and this is this is going to be kind of come off as, a, as a, me as a dick, but it's kind of true. At the end of the day, a manager works for the artist as far as it's their job. The artist is paying this manager to make help make their dreams come true. It's what, like, like you said, they are, you're paying them. It's like you went and bought, went to Apple and bought yourself an iMac. Yeah. 
that lasts about 20 years. You put all this stuff in and what's going to come out is the receipt for all the shit that you need, that you want to do to get to your dreams. Yeah. That's what your manager is there for. And to believe in you and push you, not for, just because you need some big manager. The, the fact that you've gotten where you've gotten, now that I realize this, you've gotten where you've gotten with no label and a manager who had no experience in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, we That's really crazy. I think I think a lot of people are uh, afraid of failure. And I think um, if I can share anything today that is of value, I think it is to disrespect failure because it really is the only way to move forward. I know it's scary, but like I had so many songs come out before my person, before the Wilderness album that didn't do well. And that feeling that I felt from it not doing well is why my songs do well now is because it's like, I always use this analogy. If your parents ground you, like when you're a kid and they go, look, I have to take your game boy away. You're like, no, I get it. I promise you don't have to take it. You're like, they're like, no, I have to, because you won't learn your lesson unless I really take this and you really don't have it. And you really feel the pain of your consequences. Mm -hmm. I think really learning the lessons, not like saying, Oh yeah, no, I hear that you should put out a lot of music. No, go do it. Same thing with TikTok. The reason I feel like I'm pretty good at TikTok is because I've made thousands of videos or not thousands, but maybe like a thousand videos. Right. I'd say 90% of them are failures on paper. Like if you just look at the numbers to Mm -hmm. my followers, they're not successful, but success really comes in small moments after gathering the data and the, um, you know, the, the map that is failure telling you where to go. So I'm really thankful that I've failed so much. And I think it's a really important part of the journey is to lean into trying and failing because then you are the little kid who got his game boy taken away. And when you get kicked in the face and you really feel it like for real, and you're like, Oh, I hated that release. I hate the way that feels you're not going to let it happen again. Right. And that to me, it was just a, a really eye-opening experience around, you know, I, I put out one project and around the second project, I was like, oh, I think I just need to get better. And the way to get better is to fail faster. There's a one last thing on that is that there's a, a thing in video game programming called Fail Fast, Find the Fun. And it's where video game programmers come up with hundreds of ideas, knowing that most of them will suck, but that one to three of them will change the whole course of the game. And that's how I feel like, Go write the songs, go make the TikToks, go fail, 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 because there's going to be like seven things that you find that are you, that are priceless, that are, you know, like what Jimmy Allen said, what makes you you, that's found in the failure. And I think that's really important. And that's, if if anybody could listen to this and be like, hey man, I would like to do something that similar to what you've done. I I think that would be my advice is just fail fast, find the fun. So, so... These, is the failing is that, is has that been part of your motivation? Kind of. I'm not like a huge um, like fuck the system like right. kind of guy. I I just really I I have a goal of playing a football stadium, and so to do that, I just think it's getting your numbers up. Like I, if I want to be you know playing football stadiums, a one percent of a one percent dream, right? So to do that, I have to take the actions of the 1% of the 1%, which is putting out more music, making more TikToks, writing more, um, you know, doing things that are hard, that are sacrifices. And um, it's not fun always. Failing isn't fun. Even after this conversation, I'm going to go make a TikTok tonight. It's going to bomb. And I'm going to be like, I'm nobody. I suck. I'm not like, that doesn't go away. Um, But I think I'm motivated more of 
how fun it could be to live the dream that I have in my brain. That my why and my like big picture in health, at least when I'm in a healthy place, that's what really drives me. And I think um, the idea that I get to like my life mantra is just create things I love with people I love. So I'm trying more and more to like love the process too. Like, can you really enjoy? Cause like my person doing what it's done is awesome, but I also like really enjoyed writing that song. I really enjoy playing it live. And so can you, if you enjoy the process, then it doesn't really matter the results. Cause really all we have is process anyway. So I'm trying to make that mental shift. It's a lot harder said than done, but I'm not super motivated by like the haters or anything. So you mentioned, you mentioned your why. So my question, like, so, so what do you feel is your, is your purpose? Yeah, I, I think it, it semi revolves around that, like make things I love with people I love. Uh, I think when we authentically find out who we are and authentically tell our stories, it gives other permission others permission to feel less alone and to look themselves in the mirror and go, you know what? Who am I? Why am I here? What is my story? And that's the best gift anyone ever gave me in my life was they were so authentically themselves and the stories they told were so incredible and authentic and, and emotionally charged. And that made me feel things and gave me vocabulary to things that I was feeling, but didn't know quite how to say that feeling has changed my life. And so if I could do that for anybody else, I'd love to. And the way to do that is just to authentically be myself and tell my stories. So my why is to love the process is to create things I love with people I love. And hopefully that through that, you can give somebody their favorite song to drive to work to. You can give somebody their first dance with my person. You can give somebody, you know, I also do a podcast and I ask really big questions on the podcast. So like maybe I give somebody the permission to just go, oh, I've never thought of that that way. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think somewhere within there, maybe you can help somebody and, and make stuff that you're really proud of. Yeah. That's uh, you have a freaking, you have your hair on your shoulders, man. I'm trying to people. <laughs> it's crazy. Cause you like, you get a lot of these artists who don't have their, like, you know, who don't, they don't really know what their purpose is. So they have, they have an issue trying to find themselves or trying to find the identity in their brand or in their music. Um, and can, I, can I be honest though? Yeah. Back to the failure part, right? Like, it's the only reason I feel pretty confident in who I am is because I tried to be everyone else and it failed. I tried to be a diet Coke, Sam Hunt. I tried to be a diet Coke, you know, like Luke Bryan. I tried on all the hats and eventually through failure realized, Oh, I just got to be myself. And now I feel pretty confident in who I am. You just called yourself the diet Coke. We can't use that because some people like diet Coke. Sure. And I, I, I get that. A lot of people want, Say like Kroger brand. I I always say I always say Dollar General. Perfect. Or the Dollar, Dollar Tree. <laughs> and that to me is the highest compliment to a guy like Sam Hunt. Like you carve out such a lane that eventually people go, oh yeah, it's like Sam Hunt. Oh, that's like Morgan Wallen. Like mm -hmm. oh yeah, it's like Marin Morris. That's like Kane Brown. That's like Jimmy Allen. These people who have such a stamp of authenticity that anyone that tries to tap into it, people go like, yeah, that's kind of like that. But would that be an insult to the people that you're talking about? Because it's like, I feel like people, like I feel like new artists' goal are to be noticed as that person, not notice, oh, oh, this sounds like a Sam Hunt or this sounds like a, a Jimmy Allen or a Morgan Wallet. Um, yeah. I feel like that's not the goal for artists to want to sound like someone that's already made it and be successful. Right. So, so that's, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm saying as well is I tried to do that mm -hmm. and figured out very quickly that like, um, what is going to make me successful is the only thing that nobody else can do, which is my weird, you know, I, I kind of make this like 
Justin Timberlake, John Bellion, Keith Urban, Sam Hunt, Frankenstein version of country music, which is different and me and authentic. And even sometimes I'm like, oh, is anybody even going to like this? Mm -hmm. I still would rather die on my own sword. And I think that has been a part of the success in the last couple of years is that I've leaned harder on the things that I trust, which is, you know what? It's me. And that's, that's all I can do. And I'd rather tell my stories and be authentic. And, and that is what I think will help people. So I am actually agreeing with you. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people come to town and the first thing your gut tells you to do, something's on the radio. So I should make what sounds like what's on the radio, but the radio's a year or two behind. And so you have to find out what is on, what is on your heart to say, and how are you going to say that? And what is the the palette of tools that you're going to use and the branding and all that stuff and create a new thing. Because by the time Sam Hunt comes out with the next thing, if you're trying to be Sam Hunt a year ago, you're always behind versus creating your own lane, finding what makes you, you finding what makes you different. And and that's something that never changes. You know, Keith Urban, Kenny Chesney, they're still doing that. I think that's the fun part of music. So, um, again, it's, it's through my failure that I feel like I finally found some like relief or peace of like, Oh yeah, I think that's what I'm doing. All right. So we're going to think about this because obviously you, it sounds like you already have in your head, you already have the game plan of what you want the outcome of this to be. And I think everyone has that game plan when they become an artist or anything in their career, they have the outcome already played out in their, in their head. Sure. Um, five years from now, where do you see yourself? Man, the year is 2026. I am uh, 31 years old. Man, that's a great question. Um, uh, the ego inside of me wants to answer this question. With, I'm going to have a billion streams. I'm going to be playing a arena and, you know, all this stuff. But the reality is that, like, anything can happen. I have a couple really big dreams in my life. I'd love to play a football stadium. So obviously if I can be closer to that goal, that make me really happy. I'd love to be like a husband and a dad. I'd love to have a family one day. So I'd also like to, you know, hopefully meet somebody or, but I also, that's out of my control. So I'd really like to um, enjoy the process of living my dreams. I really, I know it sounds cheesy and I know it sounds like some shit that you crack out of like a fortune cookie, but it's very real. I, I, I've really struggled in the past with being too achievey and too goal oriented. And so in, in five years, if I was actively pursuing the dream that I hope, hopefully would still have of having a family and, and being a good brother and a good son and a, um, just a good human being and growing and learning and changing when I need to, along with creating things I love with people I love, then everything else is going to work itself out. And you know, however many streams, whatever, that stuff doesn't go on my tombstone. What, what goes on the obituary is how you treat people and how you made them feel. So over the course of five years, hopefully getting better as a human, making cool music, getting better at my crafts. You know, I'd love if you want to like have some ego answers. It's like, I'd love to play massive shows. I'd love to have a song on the radio. Maybe by then I do have a record deal, but again, all that stuff's out of my control. And just trying to love the process of, of doing it, you know. I feel that. I feel that completely. Um, this is, I've learned so much about you. Um, I've learned so much about you. And, like, I'm 
highly, highly impressed by you. And <laughs> I have gained so much respect. I've heard, obviously, I've heard nothing but good things about you, but I've gained so much respect for you and your mindset on things um, because it's true. Like, you know, everything you said is true. You have, you, you have to enjoy the process of becoming, at the end of the day, successful. Because once you are successful, things not necessarily become easier, but they come quick. They become quicker. They come to you quicker than you anticipated. Quicker yeah. than if it would be if you were if you weren't successful already. Right. Um, you know the brand deals or anything, the sponsorships. Those things come to you quicker than it would if you weren't successful. Yeah. Um. So I I I I have to agree with you that in enjoying the time getting there. Even if it's failures, you gotta enjoy. Even you have to enjoy your failures, because it's a, it's another lesson, it's another experience learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's so hard to do. Yeah, like, real, like to really when you're in a place of not doing what you want to be doing or failing, to like actually smell the roses and to be like, you know what, this is part of life too. Like it's all a part of it. It's all a part of the journey. And there's this weird, um, there's this word in the Bible that doesn't really have a, a translation to English, but it's like Anike Felushistein. And it's basically roughly translates to the recapitulation of our stories, meaning the bad parts are the good parts. So when I, when we're at dinner and we're telling the story about the camping trip, the camping trip where you went and you had a good time, isn't actually a great story. The stories we actually like and that are interesting are like, so I got, sick on the road. So then we had to pull over and we we're throwing up. Then we had a hole in our tent. So it was raining and we're all laughing and mm-hmm. we're all talking about our experiences. And so, you know, one of my favorite things that I like to tell myself is to zoom out when I'm stressed, when I'm failing, like it feels like the thing in front of you is the only thing. It's the only part of the story and it means everything. But in reality, if you can zoom out of the trees and see the forest, it's not that big of a deal. It's a week, it's a day, it's a song, it's a, it's a singular breakup, it's a whatever. And, and if you can really zoom out and see the big picture of things, at least for me, it's, it's super helpful. So part of that's failure. And so I'm just basically retweeting you and saying, I couldn't agree more, like to, to really sit in your failure and be like, all right, this is a part of it. This is how I learn, this is how I grow. You know, like if you can become friends with your failure, it's so helpful and it it's hard. I'm still learning that a lot, you know? Yeah, I, I am too. And I, and you know, it's, I've been going at this for a long time, but I am too, because I think I'm recently starting to learn that, you know, yeah. uh, it's not something you learn overnight. That, that takes a lot of time and, and a lot of failures to realize, <laughs> to realize I should probably enjoy this one. It, it may not happen again. Yeah. I think I see like slightly older people than me. Uh, when bad things would happen, they wouldn't get as stressed. And I was interested by that. And they're like, look, I've seen it before. It's going to happen again. My worrying about it just makes it, the feeling worse. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a rocking chair. You feel like you're moving, but you're not. Mm-hmm. Anxiety is this thing where you're like clenching and holding. It doesn't matter. The whole thing is running water through our hands. And can you enjoy all of it? That's, that's my challenge to myself. And if I get better at that over the course of five years, I'd be super happy. <laughs> have you had you had you have you ever have a, I can't speak English today. Had you have you ever or had to overcome anxiety? Yeah, man, I uh, I still feel pretty anxious. It's actually like manifesting in my body right now. Like my face is super tight, and my back and my shoulders, and um, 
if you can hear anything in this conversation, you probably heard a guy who likes control. I really like the idea that like I can use my will and bend the universe and like make shit happen and achieve things. That makes me very happy, but that's not how life works. And so my anxiety comes from a lack of control. And so when I find myself in health and not anxious, a lot of the times, you know, my anxiety usually comes from being in this, but wanting that being somewhere, but wishing something else was happening or like the fear of something happening. And so what I'm trying to be a lot better at is like going with the flow. You know, that's why like I get anxious before shows because my brain tells me, you know, what if you trip and you fall and it's embarrassing and everyone laughs at you, you know, it's just like this crazy story and it's really hard. And it, anxiety is not, again, not one of those things you come up with a solution to overnight. And it, a lot of it for me is talking with humans. Like I'm very extroverted. And so having a couple people, I usually, you know, deem it like my wise counsel, like my parents and my manager and a couple of my friends who I can go to and really have these big conversations with. That's very helpful to me. Um, my day-to-day practices and habits, I think are really important in that. Like I feel very anxious when I'm not sleeping well, eating unhealthy, not working out, not in uh, plugged into a community, not working on my craft or what I love. So I have a checklist in my phone and I'll just go through like, okay, I'm anxious. How can I help myself right now? And over the course of a day, day or two, can I kind of go, get back into my rhythms and that can be helpful, but it's, it's something that's, it's a bitch. It, it really is tough. And especially in an industry where a lot of it's performance based, I get some performance anxiety of like, you know, I, I am right now, I feel like I have a microscope on me of people being like, what's his next move? Okay. So cool. He has a hundred million strings. Could he get to 200 million? Like that's at least the story I tell myself and it makes me anxious, but the more that I try to enjoy the process, the more that I lean into failure as a part of it, the more that I realize nobody cares what I'm doing because we're also worried about ourselves. Right. <laughs> Nobody's actually watching me with a microscope because they're all worried somebody's watching them with a the microscope. So uh, the word I try to, you know, if I could have some sort of mantra or word is just grace. I've never been Spencer Crandall before. I've never been an artist before. So the word grace is undeserving love, a love that's like, yeah, life's super hard. Like just give yourself a little forgiveness and a little mercy and a little grace. And the more that I can like focus on that and harness that energy, the less anxious I feel with some practices and stuff. But it's, it's hard, man. It's a lot. Yeah. Overcoming anxiety is it's no joke. <laughs> It is no joke. I mean, that's something. I mean, that's something. I think, I think um, there should be like a blanket um, for people in the music industry because it is. It's in, in medical field as well. It, it is tough dealing with a lot of things that we go through in the industry. You know, it it's a doggy dog world, but it's also survival of the fittest. Yeah. You know. Um, and it, it, and it brings out a lot of mental issues. A lot of mental stress comes into, into play in this industry. Um, what's been your biggest sacrifice, man? Um, that's a great question. I really like that question. Um, what comes to mind is, um, if I'm being honest, sometimes it's fun. I, I sometimes think I sacrifice, um, you know, I actually don't drink. I haven't drank in like four years. Um, I've been sober for a while. And so I, it's, it's hard for me to blow off steam. It's hard for me to, 
um, feel like I'm like doing something that feels crazy and wild and free. Cause I, I work so hard on this thing and that's why I'm as far as I am. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for the sacrifice I've made, but sometimes in, in unhealth specifically, I get to a point where I'm like, what is the point of all this? If I'm not, you know, back to process, right? Like if I'm not at least eating some ice cream or playing some spike ball or hanging out with some friends or just dicking around and listening to music just for the fun of it, then even if you get to the top, the tippy top, but there's nobody on the side of the stage to hang out with, it's not going to matter. So I try to be pretty intentional of building in some fun and some time where like music isn't the priority, you know, music isn't life. Life is, is worth living because of things like music, but it is not my whole life. So I think that's the sacrifice I've made. I don't know if it's the right call, you know, I'm 26. And so I think with some time, like my priorities can adjust and, and we'll see, but I do really love what I do. I think sometimes it can feel overwhelming and, and sometimes the sacrifice feels like I could probably just go like on some more drives or camping or fish more, like just have a Saturday where I'm not making a TikTok or I'm not, um, you know, playing a show or whatever. That's probably good for me. I could use some more of that. Can't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> that's, that's part of the like grind and the hustle culture that I think I subscribe to and I'm slowly finding isn't as helpful as I thought it was, you know, of like, yeah, it's cool to do great things, but you have to be happy doing that. So building in enough space and balance in my life that it doesn't feel like I'm sacrificing everything. It feels like, oh yeah, you know, maybe I don't golf as much as I'd like to, but I still golf. How hard is that though? Like how hard is it to for you to make this time, especially with everything, everything picking up and building up right now? How hard is that for you? It's really hard. It's, um, it's, I can, let's put it this way. I can always convince myself that there's work to be done. So I have like a 28,000 person text list through my music. And on that text list, I want to respond to everyone, to make them feel special, to tell them about the show information, to hear their story about them using my person for their engagement. If I did that, just the social media alone, I could wake up at 5 a.m., do social media, do social media, do social media, go to bed at 1 a.m. and wake up and do it every day. And there would still be this plate of social media to consume every day. And so I have to really be okay with, I would rather play a stadium five or six or 10 years later but enjoyed the process of getting there. So the words that I really work on are patience and grace. Patiently working hard and diligently, but knowing that things have to grow and not trying to control things and smush them into my reality and giving myself a ton of grace that, you know, sometimes I do stay up to 1 a.m. and answer texts. That's okay. That's part of life. Sometimes I fuck off and play golf the whole weekend. I didn't do any work. And my manager's like, hey, we missed out on an opportunity because you were dicking around. And sometimes it's like, yeah, I have to do that. So I really try to just trust my gut and, and not judge my overly judge myself um, mm-hmm. when I make decisions, you know? Wow. Wow. Well, this has been another episode because this is – this has been actually one of the one of the best episodes I've ever had. Um, of blast. I really enjoy this, and you're a great interviewer. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. This has been great. This is another episode of Smoking Section. Please go follow Spencer Crandall on everything: Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. If you haven't already, 
And follow us everywhere. Smoking section podcast everywhere, except for Twitter. Twitter is smoking X section. That's a whole fight right now that I'm trying to have. <laughs> um, but go review us. Everything. Go listen to it, stream it, and review us all on iTunes. Um, Spencer, thank you. Yeah, man. Thank, thank you. you.